Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. And this is, we're about to discuss the moment that we've all been waiting for, really, all season long. Outside of Sid coming back, Gino returning was the talk of the season. And I think it honestly may have even been a bigger deal because we knew Sid wasn't going to be out that long. Gino was at least six months recovery, maybe longer. We didn't know what was going on. They didn't really fill us in. But he made his season debut last night in Anaheim. And uh, I don't think you could have asked for a better return to play. He had two goals, four points total. Just unreal from him. It looks he just like he missed no time at all, yet he was able to sit out for six months and get healthy. It was like the weirdest thing, but it was so much fun to watch him back out there. And he really, uh, he really lit it up. Yeah, I mean, he could have had hat trick too, but he passed to Carter on that empty net. And it looked like on the broadcast, it looked like Carter was mad at him for passing him on that empty net goal because I think Carter wanted to get him the hat trick. And Malcolm was asked about it after, and he said, I'm always nice to my partners. But yeah, great, um, you know, first first game for Malkin. I like the decision to put Carter on his uh, wing to start because, I mean, he did play with Carter and Kapanen. Um I don't know if we saw a whole lot from... The, the Kappen and Malkin connection we were expecting to see it, but Carter, I like that on his wing because it looked like they're still kind of easing Malkin in. They really weren't having him take face-offs. He didn't take any face-offs in the first period. He took three in the second period. He only won one of them. And then he didn't take any in the third period. And when he wasn't taking the face-offs, uh, Jeff Carter was. So it still seems like they're easing him back in. And I mean, throughout this whole process, it's clear that, you know, they were being very cautious with him and giving him as much time as he needed because, I mean, how long did he practice in a non-contact? And then how long did he practice with full contact? You know, it's been a lot of time between these steps. So he said his knee feels 200% better than it ever than ever has. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's feeling good, and it, it showed in his debut. And, I mean, the goals that he scored, like, my goodness. The power play goal, I mean, I could spend – we could all spend, like, 10 minutes dissecting that because not only what a shot that was – Sid jumping as unbelievable that to me like I don't think and like because like I don't even realize it but the strength that takes in his legs to jump at the perfect time as high as he did like I'm not over that part of it too to be completely honest (laughs) and he landed so gracefully too it was like three feet into the air and then just like oh nice little dismount it was unreal And just, I mean, that's clearly a sign of the chemistry those two have, obviously, you know, you know, the timing that as Sid, Sid knows the timing Malkin's going to have on that type of thing. But like that shot was incredible. And then his second goal, just the deflection that was, I mean, both of these were complete goal scorers goals. And I think a lot of people coming into this game were a little bit, you know, excited to see him come back. But at the same time, there was a little bit of the tentative is this going to mess with things? Is his return going to, you know, mess with the systems because we know the style um, Malkin likes to play. And is that going to, you know, shake things up? And it's like, those two goals are fantastic goals to score. Like, especially the second one, I just keep seeing it. Like he's in front of the net, he's getting his stick there. He's doing the greasy work that sometimes we don't see from a ton of the guys. Yeah. I mean that, that narrative that, you know, he was going to come up, mess up the chemistry. He doesn't know how to play the structure. He's going to, the lazy Russian trope. That's just, that's a lazy trope. I mean, the narr- the people that have been pushing that narrative 
have also been writing trade Malkin articles for the last 10 years, even like through the cup runs. So you'd think by now they'd, they'd have moved on, find something uh, new, but uh, it, that's because it, it, it doesn't reflect on the ice. And then a, a big stat, Malkin, uh, his first goal was the game winner. He tied Mario Lemieux for the second most game-winning goals in Penguins franchise history. That's huge. That was the 74th. Um, this is the only really major uh, offensive stat that Mario did not already lead in. Yager leads with uh, 78, so Malkin uh, four away. Crosby's not far behind at 71, and then it's like a huge drop-off after that. Uh, Improvost says 42, and then it's Kunitz, Latang, Stevens, Kehoe struck with like 28, 27, 26, so... Um, yeah, good, uh, good to see that. Uh, wonder if he's gonna tie Yager for that move into the, the number one all time, but yeah, that's a it's just a crazy stat to, to tie Mario Lemieux, uh, in, in that category. Yeah, he is he's kind of in a league of his own a little bit and his in terms of style of play and what he's been able to accomplish. And I, I just again, I can't believe how comfortable and strong he looked and I obviously he's been conditioning and training all, all summer rehabbing all those things but to to be able to see him fully healthy and Sid fully healthy at the same time Jenna like you said just their chemistry after all my goodness over a decade playing together is just unreal and it's been so I just I can't wait to see more of that and the game itself that I mean Looking at looking at who performed well, Tristan Jari just had an outstanding game. On like, and the goal that he did let in was kind of like a wonky one because he was lying flat, like back front out. I can't even remember, but he was just like sprawled out in the crease, and somebody snuck it around him. But he was making just unbelievable saves all night long. Like it just, he continues to impress. And make up for, you know, what we complained about Casey DeSmith, you know, not not doing yeah. last week. But yeah, Je- Jenna, what are what are some of your thoughts? Like, how do you think that Tristan Jari can sustain this level of play throughout the rest of the season? I was going to say that's going to be the big question mark because right now when you look at this team, you look at their area of weakness. And I think really, I mean, the one that sticks out is backup goaltending. That's the one area. I mean, this was, I think when you look at the playoffs and you look at when Tristan Jari blundered last year, were they a couple bad blunders? Was it telling of what was to come? He'd said coming into the season, which I feel like we've talked about too, you know, he wanted to prove to Hextall and Burke and to the coaching staff and something that they said to us too. But, you know, they he wanted to prove that he was their guy and they wanted to prove and say, hey, we do trust him. This is our guy. And he's shown that completely up to his point. And I don't entirely know what it is, to be completely honest with you, if he's just seeing things better, if he's just keeping things simpler. But this, if Tristan Jari can sustain this, especially going into the playoffs, that's going to be a huge thing. And I don't entirely know in terms of backup, what is the answer? I'm assuming probably you're going to have to get somebody. You're going to have to trade for somebody because of what this team has right now. I think so many people coming into the season immediately were saying that, oh, the window's closed. I know you hear that all the time, yada, yada, yada. They haven't won a playoff series in X amount of years, blah, blah, blah. 
this team might be one of the best teams right now in the entire league. And if your weakness right now, other than, you know, a couple defensive breakdowns, I mean, there's going to be those in games, but if your biggest weakness is you don't have a backup goaltender, you're in a pretty decently solid spot right now, knowing, yes, you have to get over some COVID things and hopefully you don't continuously see guys be put on the list. But I mean, they're trending in a really good direction. And I think they've kind of made a lot of people who wrote them off at the start of the season double taking and saying, oh, wait, this is a team that's won, what, 11 of their last 12? They're five points out of uh, first place in the Metro by the time we're recording this. And the Metro is easily the toughest division in the entire league right now. Yeah, for sure. So I guess that a lot of people I've seen on Twitter have been asking – are they getting hot too early? Taylor, what what do you think about this level of play? And I know that there's a lot to be said, you know, of getting hot at the right time. But is there such a thing as getting hot too soon? I don't think so. I mean, because we still, I don't think, have seen this team at their full potential just because they haven't been healthy. I mean, Malkin just comes back, but how many guys do they ha- have out on COVID protocol? Um so, and these guys, it's different guys that have been carrying the load all season. It's not like, you know, one one player or a couple key players that have been uh, getting hot. It's different guys picking up at different times. So I think we're going to see that throughout the season. Eric Tangrady had a tweet. He said this is the uh, deepest team, Penguins team he thinks he's seen in a long time because every player has a role and they're executing it. So um, that makes me feel like it's sustainable because different players have had, you know, like Kapanen right now hasn't been at his best, and but the team is still playing well because everyone has their role and they're executing it. So um, backup goaltending is still an issue because I, I, I worry about Tristan Jari, the workload, and you know he can't start every game other than the back-to-backs for the rest of the season. Something's going to have to happen. I think this road trip, uh, so Casey DeSmithy is in protocol right now. Uh, Louis Domingue is the backup. I think this road trip is the perfect time to – put Louis Domingue in a game, just see what you have. Um, They don't necessarily have to. There are no back-to-backs on this road trip. Uh, Sullivan wouldn't say whether or not Louis would get in a game here. I I still think you should because, I mean, we've talked about it before where you don't want to get to the end of the season or when things are more, you know, high stakes and, you know, you'd be reluctant to turn to him because you don't know what you have, kind of like what happened last year when the Penguins didn't want to turn to Max Legacy because – the only NHL game he had played all season was the last game of the season against the Sabres, which is not really an NHL game, I guess, because <laughs> it was the Sabres. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Dominguez in. Uh, maybe he is the answer, I, again, because I don't know what they're going to get on like the trade, the trade market um, yeah. and what that would cost. And, you know, they're right up against the cap when, when this team is healthy. So it would have to be someone, like, making just as much as, as Casey makes if – or, or less, uh, or they'd have to unload, you know, other key plays. So I don't, they'd have to sacrifice other areas to make up for the goaltending. And I don't, that's not ideal. So maybe Domingue's the answer. Maybe. And you never know until you try. And I, I know that other people have been able to watch him a little bit more closely throughout the course of his career. And I've seen people say that eh, he's maybe not the answer, but he was great sometimes. In yeah, sometimes a, a change of scenery helps players to, to reach a different level of potential and ability. And I think that it's at least worth trying. Like, why, 
why sign him if you're not going to test the waters and see? Because again, like Casey DeSmith has not been anything worth banking on this season. And yeah, Tristan Jari has been playing a lot and he seems to love that. But you do have to, as a coach, be mindful of like, well, how much can he handle? Like we need him full full energy, full strength going into the playoffs. And that, that's going to be number one priority because it was the thing that uh, killed them last year yeah. in the playoffs. But why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, we'll touch a little bit on the COVID updates and news and somebody in Philadelphia complaining about Ron Hextall. We'll be right back. <laughs> And we're back. So there actually aren't really any COVID updates yet. Brian Rust and Brock McGinn are both still in COVID protocol, hopefully return or close to returning soon. But poor Brock McGinn, apparently that guy is stuck in Dallas. They couldn't take him with him. So uh, that that kind of sucks a little bit. Yeah, I think that's so funny. I'm not I'm not sure if Rust is there. So they tested positive at separate times. Rust might also be quarantined in Dallas. I'm not 100% sure. But I think that's so funny that, you know, they, I mean, it's not funny that they have COVID, but it's funny that they just have to leave them behind in Dallas. Um, they couldn't get quarantined in, in LA, like if they, if they had waited a day or two to test positive. Just um, one day. Yeah, I, I do think that's funny that they just had to leave them behind and what, how, they're just going to have to fly private to to catch up but yeah they, they, they should be able to come out soon um they're gonna be the next ones out and then uh yeah that's that's really the only updates uh zucker's been skating uh non-contact with the team that's good uh carter missed practice wednesday with a maintenance day so nothing really to be concerned there they did call up o'connor and hollander from wilkesbury but i think that's just more insurance because they only had 12 forwards um going into the game in anaheim and you don't want to be in la have something happen and then all your options be on the other side of the country. So um, yeah, not a whole lot of news there, but uh, guys, guys are getting close to coming back out. And if you're quarantined in a hotel room by yourself, like I just pray both of them have like a balcony or something. (laughs) A good view. Right. Cause like, again, you had one, and again, you know, totally feel bad that they have COVID hope they're both. Okay. I think what, McGinn was symptomatic. Rust was asymptomatic, or one one of the two was had symptoms. One yeah. of the two didn't. I feel like I'm getting everybody mixed up. Yeah. because there's been so many players that have tested positive. Who the heck knows? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, you, obviously, you hope they're okay. But like, man, that's just like, and you hope they can get like Uber Eats delivered or something. <laughs> like, I, I just hope they're like not going out of their minds. I guess food-wise, Dallas is not a pl- bad place to be stuck for a couple extra yeah. days if you're, you know, ordering Grubhub, ordering. Uh, yeah, not a bad place, I guess. Give me all the yeah. barbecue. I'm here oh for it. Oh my god, so much barbecue! Oh, you could drown in it. Oh god. Hope yeah. So hopefully they're doing that, and then hopefully they will be able to rejoin the team soon and hit the ice because yeah, it's gonna be. I can't. Oh, I can't even think about the lineup full full strength without wanting to run through a wall uh, that's going to be really fun to watch so we all know that philadelphia is a cesspool of a city and the teams in it are even worse now uh, 
Bobby Clark is accusing Ron Hextall <laughs> of being the reason for everything that's wrong with yeah. the franchise. Basically, that's a, that's a very raw summation. But he accused Ron Hextall of being at fault for the things that are plague the issues that are plaguing the Flyers. Taylor, I know that you kind of have that pulled up. Can you just fill us in, enlighten us on what Bobby Clark thinks that Ron Hextall did? Yeah, <laughs> Bobby Clark, obviously former Broad Street bully. He's still he's seventy two years old. He's still in the uh, the Flyers front office. Um, he went on the Cam and Strick uh, podcast. Um, he's uh, he's a senior advisor for the Flyers, so that's his title. And he was talking about uh, Ron Hextall and basically how he didn't take input from. Um, you know, his team. And he said, when Hexy came in, he alienated everybody right away. He shut his door, he locked the doors. He was a boss. Nobody else was part of it. Um, and it seems like his biggest gripe is the 2017 draft. They had the number two pick. They took um, Nolan Patrick. Nolan Patrick really didn't work out in Philly. Um, and he said, but he said, you know, the scouts didn't want Nolan Patrick. They wanted Kel McCarr. And then he said, now, now he's a superstar. Hexall made that choice by himself. Um, and then he goes on to say, you know, that there were other choices made at our drafts that we're paying for. Uh, we've got two or three first round picks that are never going to play for us. That's why we're struggling. Hexy made from huge, some huge mistakes. <laughs> and I don't know, there's just so much to unpack here. Number one, I, I did look at Hextall's draft history to see like what, what first round picks are we talking about? Um, I can only find two that have really not played for them. Um, and it's uh, German Rubsov, who's kind of, in, he's played four games in Philly. Uh, he's really been playing for Lehigh Valley. The other one, uh, he was their 2016 first round pick. The other one is Jay O'Brien, who is the latter of their two first round picks in 2018. Jay O'Brien is still in college, so he hasn't even gone pro yet. Um, it, I guess he's not, you know, a highly touted prospect anymore. He's a he's a BU. He's not at a bad school, but um, I guess I don't I don't know. I guess Bobby Clark's writing him off already, though. But um, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> the Nolan Patrick thing is what you know. He's Nolan Patrick was consensus top two. If you look at all the rankings from them, it, like half of the, you know, the major, like NHL.com, like had him going number one. Um, it was either really him or Nico Heischer. And Nico went number number one. And then Nolan Patrick went number two. That really, I don't know of any ranking that had him going beyond that. I mean, Bob McKenzie is like the guy for all this. And he had Nolan Patrick number two. Um, obviously, we know now Nolan Patrick didn't work out. And then Kale McCarr, uh, Norris finalist, he won the Calder. So I don't know if this is just revisionist history. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Like it's easy to say, like, well, we want to kill McCart because Ron Hextell's not going to come out and fight him on that. Um, but I don't know. It, and it's not even like Nolan Patrick. He was a good player. He did have injuries, sent him back. He had the migraine disorder that really kept him out. You know, a full year. Yeah. So um, it's just, <laughs> uh, just Bobby Clark whining about. <laughs> blaming Hextall for their current problems. <laughs> like, Hextall's been gone a while. Like, it, it, it's been a while since he's been making the moves in Philadelphia, and I don't think it's still his fault. And like you said, like, hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course you're going to look at things mm -hmm. now and say, oh, my God, why wouldn't we want Kale McCarr? Look at him. He's fantastic. He is an yeah. unbelievable player. But, again, it was the consensus top two. It's like it's not like everyone was saying, oh, it's going to be he, Sheer, and McCarr. Like, you knew McCarr was mm -hmm. going to be up there. But, I, like, I mean, I think there was a decent amount of people that knew McCarr was going to be fantastic. But you mm -hmm. looked at everything. And at the time, Nolan Patrick was that number two guy. And, of course, you can't yeah. predict anything that, you know, like – 
pretty much like you said, Taylor, you know, with his migraine stuff, like you can't predict that you can't predict injuries, you know, things along those lines to that extent. So, you know, it does, it just feels like it's whiny. Like what, what is happening here? And yeah. The, the Rubsov, um, he was a 22nd overall pick. Uh, O'Brien, I think he was another like mid, uh, like late round. The late first round is such a crapshoot. So yeah. uh, every team has like, you can look at, you know, someone you took like 20th overall and then look at a couple guys, you know, below that that maybe did better. Really, it's such a big drop off when you get. So for him to be like, the reason we're still bad is because he took German Rupsov and Jay O'Brien. Like, that's not like some egregious screw up. Um, of course, there are guys that yeah. went after that, like what, Tage Thompson, Sam Steele who are regular NHLers, but, um, I, again, that's <laughs> and th- his whole thing is that, you know, he said our, our scouts are so mad at Hexy. Um, the director of scouting under Hextall in Philadelphia was Chris Pryor. Chris Pryor followed Hextall to Pittsburgh when, when he got hired here. He, he's, uh, the director of player personnel. So how mad could he have been? Why would he come here if he doesn't think he's going to be listened to? Uh, so I, I find that hard to believe. He mm-hmm. said, you know, Hextall, you know, shut himself in his office, alienated everybody. And then it's like, then why did, why did Chris Pryor waste yeah. his time coming to Pittsburgh? Um, I don't know. Fine. And Hextall's draft record in like the five years, he's good. It, it better than the Penguins have drafted in that span. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got tra- uh, top guys, you know, really at, uh, each p- position, uh, Provorov, Konechny, Carter Hart, Carter Hart struggling, but. Still, I mean, he's young. Um, Lindblom, yeah. Fairbeats coming around the last two years. Mm-hmm. Like Hextall's overall track record is good, but to point to like two picks, you know, that haven't panned out, plus Nolan Patrick, that's not why the Flyers are still bad. Yeah, they're they just have been over promising and under delivering for years. I think that the whole fan base is just so beyond frustrated with what has been going on with the team because it just it seems like they're always lifting up one guy like he's going to save the team and Carter Hart was that guy for I don't know two minutes and then that he became like their punching bag and it just it seems like they're all looking for somebody to blame and they don't want to blame anybody who's currently within the organization so Ron Hextall is far enough disconnected from everything that's going on right now that they can be like, Hey, that guy who's over with the penguins now, it's all his fault. He sucks. Yeah. And Bobby Clark, like, so the flyers haven't won in what 47 years. Bobby Clark has (laughs) been around in some capacity for nearly all of that in different, I mean, as a player. And then he moved into a front office. He was gone for, you know, some since in there, but I mean, he himself was general manager from 84 to 90 and then 94 to 07. I mean, what did they do under him? Yeah. Who were they draft? Like they didn't draft the guys that would carry him to a cup. Then I don't know. I it's such a goofy thing. <laughs> like, it's weird, but I I'm fine with it because as long as there is like constant turmoil and finger pointing in Philadelphia, it means that there's probably going to be just continued dysfunction, not only off the ice but on it as well, and that bodes uh, well for the the Penguins and the division because anytime the flyers are a crapshoot i think we can all celebrate because f them they suck whatever they're terrible Uh, let's take another break and we will be right back
And we are back. The Penguin social media team continues to just slay the game. And they recently brought out the tiny mic once again to ask the players what their favorite books are. And that kind of left us wondering, based on what we watched, do they know how to read? What is your favorite book? Book? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. A drift. Are you crazy? Uh, Monk who sold his Ferrari. What was the question? What is your favorite book? Book? Uh, Harry Potter. Oh. Uh, no, I'm not boring you guys. I'm not telling you guys. Oh, uh, American Sniper. Book? Yep. Tiger Woods documentary. Yeah, so that is an interesting thing. Um, Their answers were somehow not at all what I was expecting, but exactly what I was expecting. And Brian Dumoulin kept his favorite book very close to – he he was keeping that under wraps. It was his answer that I was like, has he ever read a book? Because he kind of panicked and ran off. He's like, I'm not talking, guys. Like, I mean, watch. I'm convinced that only what Deming, Matheson, and Bluger have ever re- have read a book recently. Maybe Pedersen, not since he was a kid, since he said Harry Potter. But yeah. um, the- that that is making a comeback. Like everybody's starting the Harry yeah. Potter books again. Yeah, I and I think the it. HBO special uh, really sparked that because okay. uh, now the all the the younger children. Um, I don't, that made me, I don't know why I called them children that I guess I'm just not a child anymore, but they're mm-hmm. all kind of getting on board with that bandwagon and it's just, it's finding new life. But yeah, I think Marcus Pedersen probably hasn't read books since he was the, in first grade. The Finns both picked the same book, a little suspicious. I did look it up. It's like a, a classic in Finland, but I don't know, still seems a little suspicious. The face Rodriguez made, he had to think a little too hard. He, he was the one that said American Sniper had I think a little bit too hard um Dumoulin what he panicked and read off Malkin the, the are you crazy like that they would even think to ask him I don't even think he heard the question I think he just saw the tiny mic and it was like absolutely not because he doesn't talk and then Gensel Gensel said the a Tiger Woods documentary like Jake I love how they put biography in there just yeah, because <laughs> that that's that's what he meant. Because but when he had when he had COVID, he um he was asymptomatic, but obviously, you know, he was still in isolation for ten days and I was just like, What did you do? And he said he read a Tiger Woods biography. So that's what he's talking about. Um, yeah. but uh <laughs> Tiger Woods documentary, that's like <laughs> that's how the video wrapped up and it's like, yeah. Did it, does anyone read books? <laughs> I was like, Jake, you're not helping the cause. Like, this is we're questioning does this team read? And then you throw a documentary. Yeah, Dumoulin's is still the funniest because he like panicked and he's like, I'm gonna talk to you. <laughs> like he was never expecting anyone to ever ask him that question. Like he, he couldn't even think of any books ever. Like just completely went blank. It was interesting, but very entertaining for yeah. sure. Um also entertaining. Kodak Black at the Panthers game. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like most of our listeners, viewers do not know who Kodak Black is. He's a rapper. But they showed him. He was sitting, um, I think he was sitting like, you know, front row at the Panthers game. And then later on, he was up in one of the suites. Um, 
and a video went viral. Uh, it was like a fan took it from across the arena, like zoomed in on his suite. It was like during like a stoppage, and it looked like he was like hooking up with a girl in his press box. And it's like in, in, his, in, his, in, his, in his box. It was right next to the Panthers' ownership like box. Like Luongo is in the box, and like all their management. It went viral. I thought it was really funny that the NHL had they posted pictures of like Kodak Black at the start of the game, like "Welcome." And then when this video went viral, if you look at all the replies, it's just people linking to that video. Eventually, the I was like, "What are they going to do?" Like, um, eventually, they just deleted their initial tweet, which was just you know the pictures of him. Other videos ended up going around of of, of the moment. It looked like she was just dancing on him. I I don't think. Yeah, I, I think that's all it was. Still funny moment. Uh, never a dull day in the NHL. Um, no soap operas, just hockey. It's great <laughs> soap operas ever since again. Exclusively soap operas. <laughs> that's all we get. Watching the owners in the video might be like one of the favorite, one of my favorite parts because they're like, there's a couple of them that are like, Almost like double thinking, like what what's going on over there, but like yeah. nobody wants to actually like address it, so they're all just like, "I oh my god, <laughs> never never a dull moment." That's yeah. so true. Never. Absolutely true, and apparently there was more drama as well with the Russian, uh, the Russian junior team getting kicked off a plane. What's up with that? Yeah. So this this happened. You know, we we talked about the World Juniors being canceled. This happened. Um, so, I mean, it's like a week or so old now at this point. But, yeah, so everyone was trying to fly back home. Um, uh, this came back up. So the, Peng- the Penguins have a Russian prospect who's on that team, uh, Kirill Tankov. He, he, he was back with his normal, like, Russian team uh, this weekend. He did an interview, and he's like, yeah, it took us, you know, 50 hours to get to get back home to Russia. But he didn't say why. It's because they got kicked off the plane. Um, the, the, t- the team um, – the, the flight back, I guess they were going from, like, Alberta to Germany, and it was, like, the uh, the Russian team, the Czech team, and the Finnish team were all on this flight. Um, and they ended up having to deboard the plane, and only the Finnish team was allowed back on because uh, apparently the Russian team and the Czech team, they are getting too crazy. Uh, the Russian coach, uh, Sergei Zubov, former Penguins defenseman, he said in an interview with a Russian newspaper that both the Russian and the Czech teams were kicked off the initial flight for, for not complying with mask requirements. Um, the Czech team manager, <laughs> this is like the funniest part, I think. The Czech team manage, manager came out and um, denied that. He said, my team didn't do anything wrong. He said, they just got grouped in with the Russians because they wear the same color, you know, jackets, track suits. Because, you know, when these guys, when teams travel, they all, you know, kind of wear the same outfit. Yeah, the Russians and the Czechs both wear red. So the Czech manager said, like, it wasn't us. They just thought we were with the Russians. And I mean, the Finns, the Finns were blue. The Finns allowed black, uh, back on the plane. But yeah, it was apparently like a three hour ordeal. Police stormed the, the plane, um, which makes me think it's not about the masks. And if you look at the social media posts that people were making from the plane uh, during this whole ordeal, sounds like it was just the Russians. And it was a whole lot more than the masks. There was one tweet that said, um, uh, two hours late so far on the Calgary to Fl- Frankfurt flight. That's a tongue twister. The the Russian juniors team was in the back trying to smoke cigarettes, not wearing masks, not listening to attendance. Cops swarmed the plane. We all had to get off and their luggage was removed. And then there's another one, um, a reply to that said, we were also on this 
flight in business class. The Russian coach was trying to vape in his seat, wouldn't wear his mask. And then uh, he played Russian rock music full blast on his phone. What a way to spend New Year's Eve. So I, I, that wasn't maybe necessarily Zubov, but one of the coaches uh, trying to vape uh, on the plane. I don't know. When I first saw this, the Russian team was, like, getting into trouble. I was like, uh-oh, like, Tankov's on that team. But <laughs> I find it hard to, like, fault any of these individual players when it sounds like it starts at the top. Uh, but I don't know. Not something you want to see, but it's also pretty funny. <laughs> Really yeah, funny. why not, you know, just throw all the drama at everything, you know? Like, if you're going to cancel Word Juniors, just go wild. Yeah. Just up in smoke everything this is Give really us all the soap operas fully intended i like it <laughs> <laughs> this is this is apparently not even the first time that like the russian junior team has had a problem with like le- a flight like leaving the world juniors this happened in 2011 i think the tournament that year was in buffalo in the u.s but no but they yeah. won they didn't get kicked off the plane but there's stories from 2011 of like guys were so they like got drunk at the hotel bar first, and they had like someone had to be carried onto the plane, um, and then carried off the plane. So um, the Russian team, uh, they celebrate whether they win if the tournament gets canceled. Crazy stuff. Um, excited for Kirill Tankov to one day make it over to Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, You're riding the Kirill Tankov he's hype been through it. Taylor's the Let's conductor. go. He did score two goals in his in his first game back. Um, for for he, he plays for Ska's system. Ska, there's all, the drama coming out of like the Russian hockey league. Ska is like one of the richest teams in the KHL. They fire their coach and they hired a guy with no coaching experience, but he's friends with Putin. Um, seems so, seems so that guy, that yeah. guy. So uh, Tangolf plays for their 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 minor league team. Um, and and the coach the coach was at the game, uh, so good time for Tankoff to pop off. Um, the guy apparently doesn't know much about hockey, but I guess this bodes well for Tankoff's chances of getting a call up. But um, I don't know, probably my my favorite prospect to follow right now, Curl Tankoff, and not just because of the Russian junior team drama on the on the plane. <laughs> Never a dull moment. No. It's, uh, gosh, and we wonder why. We don't wonder why. Redacting that statement. We know exactly why the World Juniors were canceled because of all that nonsense. Oh, my God. They're taking uh, hockey away from us. But at least they're keeping us entertained. Whatever. Thank you all, as always, for joining us for another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. Make sure that you're subscribed either on our YouTube channel or wherever it is you listen to podcasts so that you can never ever miss an episode they drop each thursday so we'll see you next week